welcome to the Mind Virus Podcast. What up, Bobby Flood? <laughs> Got in first before you. I saw you're going to say something. <laughs> what I was going to say is, after much testing and troubleshooting, we may, we hope, we hope we fixed our audio quality yeah, issues. We we, uh, we understand that the audio quality of the last couple episodes has been especially bad. We regret that in the past there have been some audio quality issues, but we now consider the matter well. The ongoing. Ma- the matter is closed. <laughs> ongoing. We think we, it's closed. We, we regret mistakes made. We hope it's better. We have to remind everybody out there, like this is... Um, you get what you pay for. <laughs> the amount of uh, uh, the, the money we've spent on this podcast is uh, about what it would cost to take our families to JCWs. <laughs> Which is a lot. This is a considerable <laughs> sacrifice. I think you need a different, you're going to need a different uh, well, analogy. I meant each. So, I mean, we, this microphone, it was what, 50 bucks, 60 bucks? 60 bucks or something. It has lots of star reviews on Amazon. It's, yeah, it's a got good, good budget reviews. mic. The recorder costs a little bit of money, but I, I didn't buy this for the podcast. I bought this a few years ago for other po- projects, and it just got co-opted by the Back when I was virus. flush with cash. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, it's uh, a good one. A uh, little... Uh, you want to give a shout out to the makers? Well, it's, it's a Zoom. Uh, Zoom recorder. It's the... Four channels uh, or six channels? What is it? It's the... Um, Looking for the it's the MSH six I think or is that the little clip on mic I I don't know it's got four channels of um, uh, XLR channels plus these little mics that came with it which I don't use this is this is an XLR mic we're talking into and Jordan's over there on an XLR mic and uh, it's it, very XLR you get you get what you pay for which uh, or you, the listener, is you have to pay. Oh, you're t- getting way more than you bargained for. <laughs> you have to pay for this podcast with your time and your aggravation. Right. I would hate to charge more than that. I can see you right now in your car driving to work, stuck in traffic, going, stupid Bobby, Jordan, they don't know what they're talking about. I'm, I'm, I'm turning it off. Give me Rachel Maddow. <laughs> Heaven forbid. Hmm. <laughs> Well, you were telling me you you had some side conversations with uh, Mind Virus listeners, as did I, over the week or maybe in the last few weeks. Um, I love to have those conversations, but it's also fun to get it out on the on the um, on the podcast page. That's at http colon slash slash www.mindvirus.show. Mm-hmm. You can go check out our website and. You can listen to the podcast there. You can also post comments and get involved in the discussion. I think that's great. And you can also discuss with each other. Or you could do like I play the radio and try to ping me or Bobby in the, in the morning on Monday. <laughs> right. You might, get, you might get on the show. But uh, right. tell me about some of your conversations. Uh, I had a call with a guy about um, Aaron Sherinian and two, other things. <laughs> there's two things. That um, there's two things that really raised my eyebrows this week. And the first one is getting overshadowed by the second one. But the first thing that raised my eyebrows was that uh, there's a, and, and, and just spoiler alert, buckle up if you need to, that we're going to talk a lot about the LDS church today because Bobby's getting angry. They're in the news. 
The first thing that really struck me was that there's a scholar, an LDS scholar, allegedly, I guess. I don't know much about this guy. Maybe that reflects more on me than anything, but he's released a annotated Book of Mormon study guide. And he did an interview with Religion News, and in it he talks about how Nephi was a racist. And the, you know, he What's says, the name of the scholar? Um, Grant Hardy, I believe. Let me look up the quote because I, I, I found I just found it really interesting and uh kind of um well I didn't like it. I didn't like what I was reading because uh, it doesn't reflect my opinions or my feelings about the Book of Mormon. But this is uh this these ideas are being you know, thrown out there. Yeah. Jana Reese, the Book of Mormon is amazingly coherent. And consistent scholar says, though parts are problematic, Grant Hardy's new annotated volume promises to enrich Latter-day Saints' year-long study of faith sig- of their faith's signature scripture. This was a quote that he, this was Grant Hardy, as quoted by Religion News Service, which maybe they just picked up the Janet Reese, Jana Reese. Janet. Janet. It's Jana. So she's a trib writer. <coughs> this is Grant Hardy. Quote, sometimes we're embarrassed by the Book of Mormon. We're embarrassed by the lack of evidence for its historicity, by the racism and the absence of women, and about how it uses the King James Bible, particularly the New Testament. There are things in the Book of Mormon that are problematic, and I don't think we should skip over those. Nephi had attitudes that we would regard as racist today. Apparently, even prophets do not always live up to their ideals or to their revelations. You know, just uh, just a little uh, note, side note. This is a side note, but I, I feel like we should talk about these um, Nephite writers as priests. I prefer I prefer that term. Just okay. I'm just throwing that. No, you don't have to use it. I'm just saying. Just no, think. I, I, think I gotcha. When you when you think about them, maybe think priest instead of prophet, because we we have a whole host of baggage associated with the word prophet. Yeah, well, yeah in the LDS culture, the word prophet means really, something that it's never meant to anybody else anywhere else It means ever. pope. In the, LDS, <laughs> right. in, the LD, in the LDS world, prophet means pope, what, the, what, they, what they get on Catholics for thinking of the pope. That's what right. the prophet means, and really we should just say president. President of the corporation or the church, whatever. And I, I think I grab I think I grabbed that quote and sent it to you and I said something like, Was Nephi a racist? What was the uh what was the source on that? That's Grant Hardy. No, but what where did you find it? Uh, religious religion news service. Oh, okay. Religion news service. Um I I actually uh, linked the source in my because I grabbed that, I screenshotted that and then Dealing with racism, the, flunking satehood, dealing with racism in the Book of Mormon. That's what this is the, from. The, um, the, what, I, what I quoted comes from an article. Yeah, it's the flunking sainthood column at Religion News Service called, and the, the, the article's called Juicing Up Your Book of Mormon Reading This Year, Part One with Grant Hardy. Um, I just think that uh, it's, okay. I I'll, think it's, uh, I'll link to that. I, I think it's just, uh, absurdly arrogant for us to say that we are so enlightened that we can look back and say, wow, that Nephi sure was a racist. 
because we're, we, we have it all figured out. I think we do this a lot. We, we look back and say, those people, they didn't, they were primitives. They were rubes. They're morons. They don't, they weren't as sophisticated as we are. In fact, there's a church statement. (sighs) This was another thing that, um, now just before you say this, do you, is it possible he skipped over the part where his brothers tried to kill him? Sub multiple times. I don't know if he skipped over that or not. Because <laughs> I mean that that factors into whether somebody wants to live in the same city. Just saying. <clears throat> well, there's another. <laughs> we got to. Okay, what's the other, go what's, What else is bugging but you? Let me remind what you. What else is bugging you? Let me remind you that this is a church statement. The, the church also released these guides, and you can go to your LDS tools and find them. It was kind of a quiet release. Um, and sorry, I'm, I'm now having to, I'm look, I'm scrolling through my timeline looking for these. A lot of the things that I tweet are just, I just do it. So I have a record. I'm your, I'm your, uh, backup file. So I get the tweet. <laughs> right. Here, I just throw them out there this, so I know where to find them, but file now this I'm, for I'm me. having trouble finding it. But the reason I'm bringing this up, so. Grant Hardy says, oh, you know, the Book of Mormon's problematic. It, there's ideas. There's ideas there that we would consider racist. And he also says, sometimes we're embarrassed by the Book of Mormon. No, I'm, I want to set the record straight. I've never been embarrassed by the Book of Mormon. Maybe you, Mr. Hardy, are embarrassed by it. But don't speak for us. Don't speak for anybody but yourself when you say this. Now, in this guide, the, the church uh, released this guide about answering questions and things. And, and this I found really, and I think all of this is related. Okay, we're going to tie this all together. So okay. and, and sit down lis- and listeners, buckle up. Listeners, I'm going to want to make a pass at, uh, we're embarrassed by the Book of Mormon also, but I'm waiting patiently for Bobby to spit it out here, just well, like I'm, you are. I'm setting the okay? stage here. Because I, I got some comments about the King James in the Bible. That's one thing people like to bring up and say, See, gotcha. Right. Game over. Mic drop. Right. I'm setting the stage here. I'm, 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 and then we'll tie this all together. But uh, the church says, this is a quote, expect change. You done? Excuse me. Sorry. Did that make it into the podcast? (laughs) Hey, I don't clean anything up. Everything makes it into the podcast. It's January. Got a little bit of... uh, yeah, it is Post-nasal January fifteenth. It's uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Do we still call it that? I hope I'm calling it that. It reminds me. I got to share this. This was we were knocking doors. Tangent on, on number my two. We ran into an owner of a Christian bookstore, and if you've ever run into an owner of a Christian bookstore, you know that he's got some opinions on the Mormons. And we had a lively conversation, <laughs> and and we brought up Martin. Did you have it on the porch, or did you go inside and have a we chat? We were. I think we were. You know, I don't remember. It might have been on his porch. Okay. It might have been in his shop. <laughs> oh, in the, I went through a we little bit of a... We were tracking out the owner of the bookshop. I went through a little rabble-rouser period where I sought out things. Okay. But okay. I, I think this was on the porch. But anyway... Okay. Uh, we brought up Martin Luther, you know, the nail the... Yeah, he nailed the 95 Theses right. to the wall. And, this, and we, we brought up Martin Luther... And he stops us. He goes, hey, well, Martin Luther was black. <laughs> and I looked at him and said, 
Martin Luther King Jr. was black. He goes, that's that's what I meant. I'm like, what, what? I, don't, I don't even know why it was relevant. I, I don't remember, but I just remember he, him. And it's an honest mistake, but it was just funny because not only were these two different people, Martin Luther King and Martin Luther, but they lived in different parts of the world in different time periods. Anyway, this is from the church, okay? Expect change. When we study the past, we sometimes find that practices, teachings, and ideas we thought were unchanging have actually changed quite a bit. Core principles of the gospel are eternal, but the ways they are understood and expressed over time reflect the line-upon-line nature of revelation and the constant change of human culture. The principle of continuing revelation helps us navigate these changes. You might find that learning more about the many things that have changed makes it easier to discern the things that are enduring. This is a, this is a remarkable statement because it opens a door for anything and everything to be considered a core gospel principle. And... It's like saying, well, they're enduring, they're eternal, they don't change except when they do because we have better understanding than those, those morons in the past. It, their revelations just weren't as good as our revelations. And I think that's sort of the attitude that's being presented here by Grant Hardy, saying, well, we... We understand what racism really is. We understand what misogyny really is. This, those, that Nephi man, he was, he was, he was a primitive. He didn't really understand it, and but we do, and and so it, it's cause for embarrassment about his misogyny and the lack of women in the Book of Mormon and and the racist ideas. And. There's some other scholars that were also quoted in Religion News in a completely different article where they talked about, and I could find this quote, how the Book of Mormon created race as a social construct. Uh, let me see if I can find this one, because it's just been like a flood of this recently. Yeah, uh, this is someone whose name is Sala. Her last name is Sala. Um, she says, in the Book of Mormon, maybe this was a Salt Lake Tribune article. Yeah, it's a Salt Lake Tribune article. She says, in the Book of Mormon, it's easier to see how race is absolutely a construct. Nephi's been looking at his brothers all his life, and now they're suddenly going to be darker than he is? They're all living in the same land. We've got to think about that deeply and tackle how the Nephites contrived race. Contrived? She used the word contrived? She used the word contrived. And that is, uh, her name is, this is at the Salt Lake Tribune. Reverend Dr. Salah. Yes. Yes. And this is in a sort of a conversation style interview with um, Jana Reese. Fatima Salah, Margaret Olson, Grant Hardy, all quoted in this article. Right. Um, and, And so that's the kind of stuff that, has been out there recently, and, and I was kind of getting fired up's too strong a word, but maybe it's not. But I was kind of looking at this going, man, this is what we're going to have to deal with all year, because right now, this is the 
in the four-year cycle of LDS curriculum. It's, oh, it's Book of Mormon. It's the Book of Mormon year. And here we are a couple weeks into January, and the messaging from these scholars, and I think LDS scholarship died along. I think it died with Hugh Nibley, uh, honestly. But um, LDS scholars are out there saying, hey, everybody, we have to deal with the racism in the uh. Book of Mormon. We have to deal with the misogyny in the Book of Mormon and, and, and uh, its lack of uh, historical evidence. And we need to be a little bit embarrassed about it. And, and and keep in mind these are not these are the people who profess belief in it, and I don't think you can say in the, in one I don't think you can hold those two beliefs in your mind. You can't say the Book of Mormon is a revelation and it came from God and was in, and it was preserved. The record was preserved over time through miracles of God and then delivered to Joseph Smith and translated by the gift and power of the Holy Ghost. I don't think you can say that and also say it's, it's full of uh, racism, because that implies that Nephi, well, he even says, Grant Hardy says, you know, Nephi was a racist. I don't think that, uh, I don't think that God would have, we've got to keep in mind, if we, think this, if we believe this is true, then Nephi had one-on-ones with the Lord and was shown great visions and the beginning from the end and you know had these incredible manifestations and also he's a racist those two things don't jive and so these two ideas that it's a divine record and racist don't jive and but that's the world we live in today and that's the that's the that's the image that's the messaging that's the modern LDS church. They're succumbing to this, this neo-Marxist idea that, that we all need to go through these struggle sessions, especially if you're a white male. You need to have a struggle session. You need to, you need to cleanse yourself of your white privilege and your inbred racism and misogyny. And then so on what's a struggle session this, again? Struggle session is like, it comes from the Maoist revolutions that you need to basically self-flagellate, self. You know, you admit all of so your. You problems. come out into the public square and you whip yourself, and then you can be you accepted can by the. Confess all your sins. By the new commune. It's the, the commune. The, the modern communists. version of it is like these guys who who say something that's completely true and obvious, like men and women are different, and then they're forced to grovel and apologize and and uh, you know go to go to sensitivity training now on the heels of all of this so right the timeline is this new guide the church has put out about answering questions where they also say that church leaders sometimes make mistakes but basically only saying that the church leaders from the past make mistakes you have this guide that says uh, core gospel principles are enduring but our understanding of them changes based based on our our current culture. Then you have the stuff about the Book of Mormon, and then you have the cherry on top of all of this, and that's the hiring of Aaron Sherinian as the church communications director. And who now, why does that, that? Yeah, why, tell us about why this uh, irks you so much. Well, it's not so much that it irks me, is it? it's just... Uh, it's, you're you're it, cool with it? it it's, 
well, it sends a message for me right now. I'm in this phase of just observation and commentary. <laughs> what am I? Yeah. You're making comments, and that's the dangerous line because sure you is. can you can observe, but if you observe the wrong thing and then comment on it to the wrong person, I'm observing the teachings. off with your head, off with his head. I'm observing the teachings of these people. Oh, what is being taught? <laughs> The philosophies of Sherinian. Okay. <laughs> and so what are the philosophies of Sherinian? Well, this guy, um, look, I don't know him. I've never met him. I don't want to make any disparaging remarks about his character. He's featured in some church videos over the years, and he seems like a devoted husband and father, and he's got a lot of energy and personality. Great. But he is, he is eyebrow deep in the the uh the globalist push for uh you know absolute marxist communist whatever you want to call it right he's he's worked for the UN he's worked for the state department he uh he ran the UN foundation he's he's a PR guy which is modern newspeak for propaganda and uh he he's really good at it it appears he's He's, uh, One of our listeners, uh, TBM, sent me a tweet from a, uh, an illustrious tweeter with bazillions of followers. And he, uh, this, this Twitter uh, user's name is Buffler Rider. Mm, I heard of him. Yeah. And uh, he tweeted something from Aaron Sherini. And the tweet is hashtag pitch with purpose finalists share their favorite. <clears throat> at I'm, I'm getting a, <coughs> a frog in my throat here and not because I'm getting choked up <laughs> these finalists pitch with purpose share their favorite at UN hashtag global goals period Twitter speak is just mind boggling to me it's like how how can you work as many hashtags and users into the sentence? Yeah. Let, well, me, let me start over, okay? Because this is just typical of uh, the Orwellian nightmare in which we live where our language has been so degraded. It's essentially the Jaredites all over again. Hashtag pitch with purpose finalists share their favorite at UN pound or hashtag globalists, period. Which is your fave and why? Question mark. Share with... Hashtag join the circle uh, at Dell at UN Foundation. And then uh, this, so this is Sherinian, and he's got a uh, like a placard. It's not really a placard, it's like a digital placard, a digital um, banner ad or banner ad or something with sustainable development goals. And the goals are. Um, no poverty. Let's see. Yeah, that's that sounds good. Those are the seventeen SDGs that uh zero hunger, good health and well being, quality education, gender equality, clean water and sanitation. I heard right. they got after Mr. Beast for digging wells in Africa, by the uh, way. Probably. Because can't have those poor he's a racist. Can't have clean water. Uh here's another goal. It's oh, gotta shoot. come from us. We have to take credit for it. But yeah, these are the 17 SDGs. Affordable and clean energy. Embedded into Agenda 2030. Decent work and economic growth. Industry 
innovation and infrastructure, reduced inequalities, sustainable cities and communities, responsible consumption and production, climate action, life below water, life on land, peace, justice, and strong institutions, partnerships for the goals. So every single one of those, you can go and find a conspiracy behind it where they're trying to entrench a an ins- essentially a Soviet, which is an unelected bureaucracy mm-hmm. that will control your life, require that you know basically hand all the keys to everything over to them, and they will dole it well, out to you back back to you as they see fit and you will live essentially an orwellian uh life as an in his career you know an underclass his career sharinian's career has been a propagandist for that soviet for that unelected group of bureaucrats the united nations and the wef he has a profile at the wef he's highly favored of the lords of this world pause pause so TBM sends me this tweet with, he sends me a link to this tweet and he says, can't wait for next pod. <laughs> Share your so fave. So your, your wildest dreams are coming true right now, TBM. Well, in addition, uh, he's, this, this hire has made a lot of um, waves, especially or in addition to, or even in, <laughs> even in the, the traditional Mormon Twitter communities, right? So what you're saying is people who are pretty tra- traditional LDS folks Even that the, tweet a lot. Uh, well, there's that, and there's also the guys out there who are the they spin anything and everything. For example, they tried to trend a hashtag "Make it a trillion." Okay, so they're pro anything the church corporation does. Right, and so even something like getting fined for hiding your money from the government and. From the members, they spun into, this is awesome. Stick it to the man. Make it a trillion. Yeah, and then like when the vaccine was getting pushed, like, yeah, get another one. Get 10. Get 100. More the better. But even a lot of these guys are saying, hold on a second. And it's not because he's, he's eyebrow deep in the UN. It's because along with all of his UN propaganda, he has tweeted, he meaning he, him, Aaron Sherinian. Okay. <laughs> well, he uses pronouns. I don't want to misgender him. He, him uses, he has uh, tweeted a lot of pro LGBTQ paraphernalia. He's marched with them on Pride Days. He's got pictures of himself wearing all the gear, all the colors. He says, you know, trans, hashtag trans is beautiful is one he's used. I think that he was probably the instrument in bringing the Washington, the, men's gay choir to the singing of the singing at the dc temple open house now he himself is not gay or trans right i don't know no he's married has children i've heard some rumors out there that maybe he has kids that are but i don't want to get into that because i have no confirmation of that but i've seen that i've seen in other examples i've seen lds parents who become very pro-activist LGBTQ when their kids decide that they're trans or gay or whatever. I've seen that happen. I'm not saying yeah, that's not everybody does him, that. But can, I think it kind of depends on how uh, evangelized or he, excuse me, how evangelical 
So first they have to become evangelized and then they have to become evangelical about it, right? And well, so and if the his... kids are really outspoken, the parents end up wanting to support that because right. they feel for their kids, especially the moms. Right, Spen- <laughs> right, Spencer Cox. <clears throat> but this guy, Aaron... Are you saying he's the kid or the mom? <laughs> Aaron Sherinian is very charismatic and has... It, it, that's his job, right, is to be a, a, an evangelist for these causes. And I even went and read his blog, which is called Global Extrovert. Keep in mind, I, I'm not sharing anything that's not out there on the public internet. I don't know him. I have no access to his this, private This anything. whole conversation. So there's no doxing here. There's nothing. Right. This is stuff he's put out. This he's whole been, conversation is a big, just a big sort of semi-private public head scratch between us and our friends who are the listeners, right? Where it's a, it's, it's a scratching our heads going, well, a lot of WTF. Pe- a, a lot of people are scratching their heads and they're saying, you know, one, one, one tweet said, you know, if this is a mistake, the church will take care of it. If it's right, the church will take care of it. It's just like, guys. Have the people come out yet and said, it's our duty to follow and they will be the ones that take the heat for it in front of God. Essentially, that's what a lot of people are saying. So, so you know, we just have to follow the prophet and if, if it's wrong... They're the ones that get punished for it, not us, because we followed the prophet, even though we knew it was wrong. Essentially, that that is happening. The, now, that, that's a. Can I just stop there and say, hey, everybody, back up? I know there's some people who've tried to make that statement stick, but just think of how bad that is. You realize that's the Nuremberg defense, right? right. I, I was, was just following orders. I was just following. If you're orders. not, if you're not sure what Nuremberg is, go look up the Nuremberg trials that occurred after World War II. The, the high-level and even mid and mid-level Nazi operatives and guards, prison camp guards, people who knew what was going on and knew it was wrong, they were punished after the war right. for their actions, even though they were just following orders, because they were so morally reprehensible. So I'm not saying this is obviously morally reprehensible. I mean, that when, when, when you see the 17 goals... If it wasn't a big wolf in sheep's clothing operation, and they're a bunch of liars, mm-hmm. okay, and they just want total control over the economy and over um, c- culture and society down to a very high-resolution level at the local, uh, in the local run, towns they and cities, the they world. just they want to run everything. Yeah, but that's that's what they're doing. They want it to be high-resolution. They want it down to the local cities right. and towns. So if that weren't the case. Then you know all of these things are actually nice ideas as long as you have the freedom to implement them at the way you see fit, right. not according to some legal structure that they foisted on us. But you know, so on its face, it doesn't look morally reprehensible, but it is in a lot of ways worse than uh, the Nazi, um, the Nazi actions and the and the Nazi regime because in the end. More people are going to die over this. More people lose their lose their lives over this type of action, and they what they're doing is they're they're causing far more people to become caught up in the bad actions, the moral uh, depravity, because they become mind controlled. Essentially, you you lose your mind, and and then at some point, people when they try to break out of it, the net is too tight. You know, 
that is the new religion. It's the new orthodoxy. This isn't, Nazism lasted for what, 10 years or something? It's the National Socialist Party of Germany. Uh, pro- yeah, maybe er- maybe 20. What early 30s to, yeah. early 1930s to 1945. Okay, so 15, maybe 20 years. Mm-hmm. Okay, Hitler. Okay. Think of how long the Catholic Church imposed mm. death, destruction, and orthodoxy over Europe. All right? right? The orthodoxy, even though there's plenty of good people and a lot of good things that went on there. That was a dark period. They don't call it the dark ages for no reason. Right. Okay. Go look at the Spanish Inquisition. Go look at what they did to the Knights Templar. All right. This is not good stuff. Well, and the UN has been around since what, 1948 or something like that? 1946. And they've had a long time to implement this stuff and they are patient. And we've talked about this for three years, you know, the incremental takeover and destruction of the, the free world, right? And we're living through, I think, the death throes of Western civilization. And this Sherinian guy has been a cheerleader of that. Maybe he genuinely believes that the UN does good, or the WEF is full of righteous men who want to exercise righteous leadership over the denizens of the world. But uh, you'd have to be really blind or brainwashed or bought to believe that because it's, I mean, but he wrote that, again, I went to this guy's blog and I jumped around and he has mastered the art of using words to say nothing. But he also writes for Forbes. This is Sherinian. Yeah, he has a, his blog is called Global Extrovert. You can look it up. It's out there. So we're not going to link to that. He also has written columns for Forbes magazine. By the way, his wife's also involved in this whole world as well. Of course, Forbes is sort of the mouthpiece of the elite or uh, a puff magazine, right? you know, kind of a bra- uh, you brag through it. Or the Financial Times is yeah. also kind of like that. Yeah, where people like Aaron Sherinian can say things that, say use words and fill space that don't say a lot. But I found something interesting in one of his Forbes columns. He wrote, quote, this is especially relevant given the recent news. He he writes, this was in 2022, I believe. He writes, quote, DEI goals are best achieved when leading with a values-based approach. That is, Embedding DEI into the organization's collective mission, brand, and systems by championing representation and inclusivity in every facet of the business. In other words, (laughs) we have to infiltrate businesses and uh, implement DEI and destroy these people from the inside out. Destroy these institutions from the inside out because that's what DEI does. It destroys everything that it touches. And we've seen that in real life, in real time. And he's out there saying, he's on the record saying... You can't spell die without DEI. He's out there saying that the DEI goals... Now let's talk about what we could talk about what those goals are. DEI goals are best achieved when leading with a values-based approach, whatever the heck that means. Again, <clears throat> this guy uses words that sound pretty and they could mean anything or they could mean nothing, right? What is a values-based approach? Well, the nice thing about vague language like that is that the reader can say, I agree, I am a values-based person. My values are X, Y, Z. That means that this company that is implementing DEI is using those values that I value. And this is me. This is... It's like they just project 
their own selves onto this. This is the master propagandist at work. Mm-hmm. That is embedding. What's well? What's another word for embedding? Infiltrating. Infiltration. Mm-hmm. Embedding DEI into the organization's collective mission. Okay, that means changing an organization's mission. Yeah. Here's 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 how your body. A lot of people's bodies die. Cancer gets embedded in their body. Right. Okay? And it then it changes that organization's collective mission, brand, and systems. Until it DEIs. By championing representation and inclusivity in every facet of the business. Okay, this is now the guy that has the ear of the senior leaders of the LDS church. He's a, he's a guy that's been highly favored of those senior leaders. 13 years ago, he was featured in one of the very first I'm a Mormon ads. Remember the ad campaign? I'm a Mormon. Yeah. No, I don't remember that. Yes, you do. No, because <laughs> Satan would relish that victory. Yeah, yeah, we can't talk. And we therefore, can't. we have erased it from history. I'm a ads. You remember the I'm a ads? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I remember that. Bleep. <laughs> he was he he and his family were were featured in one of those, and even then he's like, "I'm a I'm I run the UN Foundation," and and uh, this is the guy now that and and that has the ear of the senior leaders, and they handpicked him to be the comms director, the communications director. And people out there from the traditional, you know, TBM, whatever you want to call them, the the irony is the progmo, the so-called progmo, right? The progressive Mormon, they they should be celebrating this, and I don't know if they are or not. Like, well, I haven't actually seen it. The only, I, I've seen some people say things like, man, I love watching all of the traditional Mormons lose their minds over this guy, you know. Trans is beautiful, gay is beautiful, blah, blah, blah. Well, I was told by somebody who would know that this decision would have been um, authorized at the highest levels and very carefully scrutinized. Yeah, he he would have been very carefully vetted, analyzed, and um, this is a very intentional, purposeful move. So those that are out there tweeting, oh, you know, well, if it's, it's a mistake, they'll rectify it or whatever. It took me that that is this is a sign that that is not the direction right. this is moving. That's the whole point. This it, is not one of those things. It took me 15 minutes on Google to learn a lot about this guy. And and obviously other people on the internet have done the same thing because in within minutes of his announcement of the of the announcement of his hiring people were pointing out the uh the problematic i hate that word problematic tweets but again i i i find it a sign of the times so to speak that really everyone's focusing on his championing of the lgbtq movement and i I agree with their sentiment but the deeper bigger issue to me the more sinister issue is that this is a guy just deeply deeply involved with the conspiracy that is the secret combination that seeks to overthrow the freedom and liberty of all Mm -hmm. nations. He's their spokesman. He's running cover for them. And if you look at his blog and add his a little deeper into his Twitter timeline and his Instagram, this guy jet sets all over the world to go to these conferences and 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 they sit there and they talk about how they're they're the chosen gen you know the, the the God kings that 
rule and reign over us by divine right. And, uh, you know, Cop and W.E.F. and Davos. And this is one of those guys. He's just a foot soldier for Klaus mm-hmm. Schwab. He's a foot soldier for, you know, the Bill Gates Foundation and all of these big boogeymen that, that uh, we talk about. He's a, he's a spin... He's a spin doctor for these guys. Yeah. And now he's spin doctoring for the church. Well, can, can I jump in here and, and say... Please do. Let me, well, no, I, I love it. I love it. You got to keep going. Bobby's got a vent. We got to get the get this out. Well, and again, I, if this is not a personal thing about him. This is, this is where we're going to... We got to get to the bigger issue here, but go ahead. Okay. Okay. No, I'm loving this. The listeners are loving this. They really want to know what's on your mind. At least the the listeners I'm communicating with your Virus. your tri- your triangle of friends they may already know what's on your mind. My triangle uh, of friends is down to uh, is it a line? It's a single point. It's a line. Now. It's just Bobby. Is it just me? Just it's, Bobby. I'm your friend. I want to be friends. We're you lone, can call it a, lo- a two dimensional friend we're, set. We're lone men in the wilderness. Okay. <laughs> Here's why LGBTQ is so significant. Um, okay. Don't forget the plus and the two S. Yeah, let me just say, we, we, do you remember when it was just the gay people? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Um, that's, Seinfeld moved the ball a long ways, okay? They moved, they moved the ball down the field. They moved the Overton win, window just by saying... Seinfeld, friends moved the yeah, Overton not, window. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But uh, what I'm talking about, I'll just give you the bottom line up front. Modern family. Destruction of the family, okay? Destruction of the traditional family is critical to being able to co-opt society on the global level that they want, to, okay? That's, that's the way they're going to control it. And um, when I was in high school in 12th grade, uh, it was English lit or something, our professor had, or our professor, our teacher had us read like a bunch of the gothic romance novels. You know, we're getting ready for the AP lit test and all this stuff. And, and, and the gothic romance novels, you know, Pride and Prejudice, Jane Eyre, you're, right. you're Wuthering not reading, Heights. You're not reading the romance novels at the grocery store no. uh, of checkout aisle. This is, the old, this is old school. Period. This is like right. the, <laughs> this is old school. And I'm, and I'm you know, a uh, senior in high school, a kid, want to play basketball or whatever. Not, not loving it, right? Not loving it, but I'm doing my homework. And then, <coughs> then he switches gears and he has us read Orwell's 1984. And I was enraged by this novel. <laughs> I have never had a piece of literature bother me so much as 1984 did as a very uh, young, idealistic, independent-minded American ethos, mm-hmm. you know, Republican, Mormon, whatever. You know, we're... I was taught that we're we're self sufficient, we're independent, we can make our own decisions, you know, and we're we're coming right out of the Cold War at that period of time, and the Soviets were essentially the 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 great big boogeyman, the right. Emmanuel Goldstein mm-hmm. of 1984, even, and we. Uh, I mean, I was very affected by the book. And the next book he wanted us to read was Brave New World. I did not read another book that man recommended. I read the cliff notes and then passed the AP test, test with like a five. I think I even wrote my essay on the one of the books I'd written, read the cliff notes of. But okay, I'm bragging now. But anyway, maybe I got a four. I don't know what it was, but who cares? All right. <laughs> who cares? Back up. Scratch all that stuff. We don't even care what Jordan Bruno did. 
but uh, I was so mad. Brave New World is really significant. I've never read the book. I've watched the movies. I've read a bunch of synopses. And what I want to say is the LGBTQ plus blah, 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 blah movement is moving in the direction. It's the, the whole point of it is to move the world in the direction of Brave New World. So was the whole COVID attack. The Orwell is sort of the big hammer that everybody wants to avoid, and they'll do anything to avoid a totalitarian state where... Uh, Winston gets stuck in a cage with his head in a cage with a rat that's going to eat his face out um, at the end until he says, I love Big Brother, and he means it. Okay. That's the scary in your face um, lever type of thing that they'll use on anybody to, to, to modify the pliable mind into anything that's not that bad. Okay. Brave New World is what they're really after, and that's. Um, in essence, a technocracy, which is what makes everything that's going on now just so unsettling because that's what they're moving towards is a technocracy where these wealthy elites get to do whatever they want because of their status in the, in the society that has been carefully constructed, manicured, uh, massaged, manipulated into a, a, a essentially a caste system, right? A class-based system where you are born and bred for your work and your position in the society. And so children would not be raised by mothers and fathers in a nuclear family. They would be raised by the state. And they would be genetically um, manufactured to fit whatever position the state required and of course only produced on need right okay? you've read that's, the giver no i haven't but i and i've heard that that's a good movie and a good book read the book before you watch the movie but it's a short read you it's can similar right it out in a day. there there are several uh implementations of this model in literature that you can read right. uh i think aeon flux was one mm. um divergent series is kind of like that right uh kind of you know there's there's a lot of variations on this theme but it all kind of comes from brave new world anyway my my final point there's two there's two points i want to uh hit home for everybody here number one is you if you can destroy the family if you can destroy people's perception of of uh society culture and and belonging and family and um have uh, champion relationships where reproduction is not possible, <clears throat> okay, and not well, desirable. And also just yeah, just <clears throat> make having kids uh, not. Well, we've already done that. Made it not fashionable. Dis- we dis- disincentivize it. We make it. It's difficult. You know, you try to get women into the workforce, and, and I'm not saying that it's bad that women are working. It's just that that. After World War II, that was one of those things that helped to disintegrate the mm-hmm. traditional family. One of the reasons that a lot of, uh, and whether, whether the man works or the woman works, I guess that's immaterial. The point is, if you have a two-worker household, then you don't have one parent that's helping with the kids. If you, if you want to have the dad do that, be Mr. Mom, that's great, right? Uh, it's traditionally been a thing that the mom has done. But the kids need somebody rather than the kindergarten teacher Again, I'm reminded of that political cartoon where you've got the teacher up there 
and all the kids have thought bubbles above their head, and she's carefully clipping all the thought bubbles into squares so mm-hmm. they're all the same, right? Right. The, the the parents are supposed to give the kids a sense of individuality, a sense of family, a sense of who they really are, and the schools are supposed to teach things like reading, writing, and arithmetic so that you can apply your thinking skills and your and your uniqueness and your uh, all all the good qualities that you bring to the table to the society and improve the society rather than conforming the society to a lowest common denominator. Okay, right. so anyway, that's what a technis, technocrat. A technocracy wants to do, and so my first point is LGBTQ totally furthers their goals, and that was feminism, and that has been you know modern feminism mm-hmm. has and and the the LGBTQ agenda again not getting into whether people having these feelings or whatever are bad. All right, we're talking about the 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 very um, intense. Uh, proselytizing agenda to try and push more people in society to do this. That was the, that's the intention of that whole thing. It's very, very carefully uh, strategized, very, very, very well constructed to try to poison the minds of the people to see this as a as um, a lifestyle that is uh, not just possible, but desirable something that's something that's celebrated just like the uh the state co-opted the civil rights movement and turned it into a communist movement that that's happening with yeah the gay rights movement or the gay movement or that's whatever what we're trying to, to say it. very good point and and to the point where you have now you have the state and by the state i mean just the, the power structure the oligarchy you ha- out the this stuff you doesn't. People, you have people segregating people by race, and, in the name of anti-racism now. Yeah, and and in the name of, and they do the same thing with gender equality right. or whatever. And, and so it, it's gotten so. Uh, we don't need public funding for this, okay, guys? Society <laughs> can kind of work these things out. But now we not only have public funding, we have we're having protected classes. That's what they want to create: is these protected classes and hate speech laws. That's where. Hate speech laws are designed to destroy free speech. It was never about protecting the the LGBTQ group. It was designed right. to destroy free speech, and to do that, you have to break down the protections uh, uh, that we've previously had. Okay, so essentially, think of this movement as a big chisel, and the hammer, of course, is the state. People like Sherinian, right? Mm-hmm. Who's a foot soldier? I think is a good description. That's the chisel they're using to destroy the solidity of society, right? The right. the the good traditional elements of our society. I get that there's been bad things, but there's been a lot of good and a lot of stability come out of it that's allowed us to get to this point where you can even have those opinions. Right. Okay. So the first point is that's what LGBTQ is. The second point is technocracy. The technocracy is how they're going to rule. That's Brave New World. And um, this is why everything that's going on is so unsettling because we have what appears to be Elon Musk out there championing free speech, you know, he comes on the scene in the early 2000 aughts, you know, they even featured him in Iron Man, they're trying to say he's kind of a Tony Stark type of a guy, mm-hmm. and, and he's going to help the world with with uh, space travel, boring tunnels, uh, electric cars, uh, mind linking yourself Did- into the, linking yourself into the machine. He's a total technocrat, and there's a guy named Stephen Colbert, we've, we've talked about the Corbett Report before on this show, I'll try to find the link again, but he did a big expose. Not Stephen Colbert. <laughs> that's Corbett. The, you said that's the late night propaganda. Stephen Corbett. 
I don't think his name is Cor- Stephen. Corbett Report. Is his first name Stephen? We're going to look this up. <laughs> These are two really different people. But I wonder, quick side note, did the... Did the <laughs> okay. So mind, the mind virus got into Jordan's head there. Uh, yeah, it's James Corbett, not yes, Stephen okay. Colbert. <laughs> Stephen Colbert is the propagandist who had the dancing oh, yeah, on my, his late my, my apologies to everyone. My apologies. Go, going a million miles an hour. Yes, that was a terrible, <laughs> quick, terrible, terrible mistake. Quick side note here. Did, ja- it's James Corbett. Did, did a great expose on Elon Musk and technocracy. Go. Did the... Jews in New York City hire the Boring Company to build their tunnels. <laughs> Another rabbit hole. <laughs> no pun intended. Yeah, I don't the, know what's going the, on there. The, the, I didn't modern even look te- at it. the modern technocracy is going to be implemented in things like digital ID, digital currencies. And of course, digital ID sounds like we're talking about driver's, driver's license. No, that means... Maybe we should change the term to internet ID. They want right. they want to remove an anonymity on the internet. That's the right. first step, and the second step is then you're limited as to what you can do on the internet. This is a huge problem. This might be the number one issue of uh, the 2020s. Okay, and might be the reason why everything that's happened since COVID has happened is to try to get control of the narrative. And they want internet IDs. They want to end anonymity. Look at all, even though there's been a lot of error, a lot of craziness with the internet for the last 20 some odd years, they want to end that, the oligarchy. Nikki Haley specifically (laughs) is talking about it. You think Nikki Haley's rise as a Republican presidential candidate is organic? No. It's the most contrived. This is all state. Yeah. It's so silly. And it's all about internet IDs. Okay. And we talked about that. Everything that's happening right now, whether it's World War III in a kinetic sense or a, the, the cyber 9-11 we've been warning about, it's all for the purpose of getting the internet under their control and making it so you can't be anonymous and you can't do what you want on the net. And everything is done over the net these days, right? right. Yeah. It's, it's so important that it be centralized so that they can manage via a digital filter all your transactions and all your speech. Okay, we're talking about your commerce and how you interact with other people. They've done a really good job at causing uh, society to be become distanced from itself. I mean, we used to have kids outside in the neighborhood running around. You know, they're all inside on their their phones, their devices, and on their uh, on their video game machines. Right. And I was having a conversation with one of my sons last night about how lonely he is, even mm-hmm. though he's going to school trying to talk to people. And whatnot, he really doesn't feel like he has friends because everyone's so. I think it's because everyone's just their our minds are destroyed. I mean, collect we've been been through this collective mental mind virus. Speaking degradation, of Nikki Haley and the deep state and the uh, implementation of control of our lives. This was NBC News on uh, the fourteenth of January. NBC News, quote, a a network of public interest groups and lawmakers. Is this the dangerous to our democracy stuff? Sort of. A network of public interest groups and lawmakers nervous about former President Trump's potential return to power is quietly devising plans to foil any effort on his part to pressure the U.S. military to carry out his political agenda. Yeah. 
Zero Hedge had an article about this, how the NBC basically, the NBC guys basically admitted that the deep state exists to save us from Trump's return. Well, and to do a lot more, you know, there, there's fancy slippery language in there, right? Oh, yeah. They talked about all the interest stuff groups. they're doing. Yeah. Okay. Well, who are those interest groups? See, what, one of the things that drives me crazy lately is this, this uh, our language is not specific, right? This brings me back to Aaron Sherinian. You read his blog, you look at his tweets, and it's just vague, just bromidic, just, it's just bad. It's just, it could be, it could mean anything. And we don't speak in specifics. We don't tell the truth. Look at these ads you get if you don't have an ad blocker. I mean, what the crap is going on on the internet? Don't even tell the people what that is. That's you, like you have to have an ad blocker. <laughs> but we we are Here are an, 35 relatable illustrations showcasing long-term relationships. The reality of being a woman. I'm not even going to talk about the picture. We have Go. to be specific. We can't speak in vague open-ended language and the 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 church does this a lot, right? A, a, a general conference talk is—they're very generic, and then people can project whatever they want onto them. It's, that's PR. It's lawyer speak, and that's what this Sherinian guy does. You again, look at his his body of work if you want to, and and it just it opens up everything to anything. And again, I'm reminded by of the words of the Savior, by their fruits you shall know them. That's, we can't just look at words. We have to look at fruits. We have to look at actions. We have to look at well, we results. Gotta, we also have to broaden our gaze. We have to it's expand L- our view to the white. LGBTQ. Y- you have to broaden the LGBTQ. The gaze? Okay. Oh, sorry. Different. <laughs> My, I'm, I'm, I'm quoting uh, Sherlock Holmes, uh, the first one with uh, Jude Law and um, Robert Downey Jr., I forget the name of the guy that plays the the villain in that, but he um, he's great. We do have to look <clears> at the bigger picture. We have to zoom out. He says that to Sherlock. He's like, "You must broaden your gaze, Holmes." Right. And, and people who there's a lot of people in the traditional, you know, as I've mentioned, you know, kind of the conservative. His name is Mark Strong, Lord Henry Blackwood. By the way, great movie. Kind of the Keep traditional going. conservative stereotypical LDS member, right? Yeah. This hiring of Aaron Sherinian has shocked them, you know, a lot of those guys. And there's there's some that take to YouTube or Instagram or Twitter and and uh they're really confused by it. That's the word I've seen a lot. This is so confusing. What what message are you trying to send? And and I think it's only confusing if you haven't broadened your gaze, if you're not looking at the big picture, because the big picture here when it comes to the church is that they've been hand in hand with the UN for a long time. And it's clear that Chirinian has had a major role in that, if not the driving force. He's the bridge, right? He's a member of both groups and has been for a long time. So you broaden that gaze and you see like the, the church has donated millions of dollars to the UN. Aaron Sherinian takes credit for creating Giving Tuesday, hashtag Giving Tuesday, which evolved into the giving machines, which, which is crazy because that 
whole movement that that whole uh it enriches you it, it related the groups UN. Yeah. it enriches him because his paid position was to run the un foundation who was a huge recipient of funds yeah it's interesting we got we got to have a conversation with one of our friends that listens because i had a call with him uh, after we had some of these uh tweets back and forth um the guy that's kind of in the know here he had he was involved in a discussion with uh, some UN people. Let's mm-hmm. just say that, mm-hmm. and some conservatives, and they were trying to figure out if there was uh, this middle ground. Anyway, the end result was essentially that the UN guys were upset that they weren't being trusted by the right or the conservatives, and they 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 basically came to the conclusion that oh well, you, you know. The the point was that the 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 conservatives were like, hey, we have a lot of. I got to back up here. The discussion was like, hey, we agree on a lot of things, so let's support each other where we agree. And the UN guys were no all or nothing. You know, it's like you you got to support all our agenda, like the mm-hmm. LGBTQ indoctrination. Mm-hmm. And one of the one of the points that was made in the conversation between me and our friend here was that they are willing to withhold aid, like. Food aid when there are, the hurricane hits or or oh, the, yeah, the calamity occurs in in Africa because the they want the the local country to pass the gay marriage law or right. or some transgender law or something and so it's like they want you to take the whole package and the the guys on the right the conservatives are like realizing no they this is their religion they view this is like a religious orthodoxy with dogmas. Absolutely, and, um, and uh, you know, precepts and and principles and catechisms and all of that stuff, and scripture, that you, and you must conform or to the orthodoxy, or you're out. And the and the UN guys went away from that meeting thinking we can't convert the right, and the words conversion were used. You must be converted. You know, we can't convert you, so therefore we're not. You know, you're not palatable. To your well, enemy, your enemies to us. Clearly, something changed because the UN is highly integrated into the church now. Well, and again, now. and mean, again, 40, just, 45, 50 years ago, it was a satanic organization, according to senior leadership. Right. Okay. But it, it is a religion. It's the religion. It's the globalist. Maybe sixty it's years. It's the religion ago. of the good global citizen. Right. And this is where things really, in, when I broaden my gaze, I see something, I see a picture that I'm really disturbed about because this is their religion, right? Guys like Klaus Schwab or whoever, they're the people you see, right? But this whole thing is, the UN has tentacles. It's everywhere, right? And it is a representation of the secret combination. It's not the secret combination itself. It's a representation of it or a manifestation of it is a better word. It's a product of it. And cuz the secret the ultimate secret combination is satanism. Satan ruling this world with blood and horror. Yeah, and it doesn't look like you'd think like the dark baphomet worship type of stuff. What it is is power. It's power and authority, right? It's guys who will smile while they stab you in the throat. Right there, there's a great quote at the end of uh, Harry Potter book one, where um, 
Quirrell has been sort of indoctrinated by Voldemort, who has literally gotten inside of his head. Right. Okay. And he says, there is no good or evil. There is only power and those too weak to wield it. That is essentially how these oligarchists look at the world. And they have almost immeasurable power. They have bought up as agents of chaos, agents of Satan. They have bought up armies and navies. False priests who oppress, tyrants who destroy, pharmaceutical companies, uh, media conglomerates, banks, uh, manufacturing concerns, mining operations, farms. banks, farms, farmland, entire countries, neighborhoods, you know, single resident it's, homes, uh, black market, um, uh, organized crime operations, all of it. They own. There, there are elements of our society that are unknown the morlocks right the mm-hmm. if you go back to hg wells um time machine you've got the morlocks and the eloys we really are the eloys we're uh, we're unaware of what's going on and we have this break breakaway society a very small minority of people who have who exert uh astounding levels of influence that we don't understand and they have an agenda and if you don't want to believe that you they, know they call it Agenda 2030. I mean, that's that's again. That's what we see. That's the slick marketing. That's the thing that the guys like Sherinian are out there talking about how awesome it is and how we've got to achieve equity and uh, this and that. And it's all we've got to do it by 2030. And that's why you need. What kind of world do you want to live in in 2030? That was another article he wrote. That was the title. This is their religion, and I'm not joking, or or just using you know, a phrase when I say that they believe that they are God kings. They believe that they are divinely appointed, these, the people that run this stuff. And, and that's why you don't want to have a Soviet, because that's like the activity co- activities committee in your ward. <laughs> it has no real power. You can only do what the bishop says. Right. And it's like, oh, yeah, you guys can do this. Yeah, take care of this. And then all, at the end of the day, oh, well, we can't do that. We don't have the budget, or we don't want to do that, or that's not allowed because it's not according to the policy or the... That's contrary to the doctrine or whatever, the brethren, blah, blah, blah. No, you, you don't have any real power. So we zoom out a little bit, and this guy has been handpicked by the LDS church leaders. He's been on their radar for a long time. He's handpicked to do this job, and people are scratching their heads saying, what, why, why? And I will give you an answer or an opinion or a theory as to answer that question of why. And it's, it's a simple uh, observation and that this, he, Aaron Sherinian, represents the ideal modern LDS member. This is what... A good global citizen looks a, like He this. is the best of the best of the best good global citizens. He's the goodest global citizen you could possibly be. And he is... He is the poster child for what they, the senior leaders of the church, want us to be. They want us to be educated and wealthy and uh, informed and engaged in the cause of the religion of the state, because that's more and more, that's what our senior leaders are involved in. Go to the website, go to the newsroom. More than half of the articles there, more than half of the press releases are bragging about the senior leaders meeting with 
the UN or other global government corporate leaders. And we never get, we're never privy to what happens in those meetings. There's no video or transcript provided. Well, there's always a, a exciting uh, summary. Oh of yeah, how we get a, we get these we get these lame quotes that are massaged by people like Sherinian, like it was a great privilege to meet with the ambassador to Thailand. He is a wonderful, humble person who is dedicated to the bettering of the lives of the citizens everywhere. Just just this garbage crap. We don't know what's really being talked about. It makes no sense. It's always, I always look at these things and go, why is the ambassador from Thailand or the, or the vice president of Nowhere's Topia coming to Salt Lake City, <laughs> <Nowhere's> Utah? <Topia. laughs> why are these people coming to Utah to meet with an obscure... And we're the cradle of the fourth industrial religious, revolution. Yeah, to meet with obscure religious leaders of a, of a faith that has very little impact in the world as far as numbers and things like that. We're not the Catholic Church. We're not... We punch above we our weight seven, in a lot of ways. We have 17 million members, and that's if you accept the generously sure, counted. Sure, but people often point out that the Mormon Church punches above its weight right. in a lot of ways, and that's because and, of, uh, of course, they've infiltrated... Our people have infiltrated a lot of organizations, or vice versa. And I'm being somewhat rhetorical, right? Why do they come? Well, the Church has... Lots of money and lots of influence in certain circles. Mm-hmm. And people like Aaron Sherinian prove that. See, Aaron Sherinian is a, is a, is a uh, product or a descendant of the Beverly Campbell movement. He's not a direct mm-hmm. descendant, okay? I'm not being literal. Mm-hmm. But Beverly Campbell, which we've touched on a little bit, was hired by the church back in like the 70s and 80s to massage the church's influence, to get the church plugged in and into Washington, D.C., and to modernize the, the, the image of the church in those circles. And she did a brilliant job of it, right? If you read her journals, there, she was referred to as the 13th apostle. Mm-hmm. And... Sherinian sort of has, he's a, part, he's, a, he's a descendant of that, where his job is to now, especially his job is to make sure the church is plugged in to all the movers and shakers in Babylon, right? And I understand the spin that there's people who will say, well, this is because we need, we need to work with these evil, horrible, disgusting people in the UN and governments around the world so we can have missionaries there. And we can convert the heathens in the, these countries, and we can build temples. And I come back to a question I've asked a lot, and I've never, we've never really had a good conversation, or I've never had a good conversation with anybody about the answer to the question. But the question is, are temples and missionaries the end game? Is that the reason for the restoration? So 18-year-olds could go out for two years, and we could build a bunch of temples? Or maybe are we missing... The end game, you know, the whole purpose of our existence and the restoration movement. But I guess, again, that's maybe being too rhetorical. But this is where we're at. And, and so the big picture for me is he's who they, the senior leaders, want us to be. And it makes me wonder if there's any future 
if the church has any need for your typical pioneer descendant Mormon, you know, your rural ranchers and farmers and these fifth, sixth generation families that, you know, are kind of the backbone of the mountain states church, you know, whose descendants are now living in Utah County and Salt Lake County and Boise, Idaho and Mesa, Arizona. That's all, you know, that's, that's still, regardless of declining uh, LDS populations in Utah and things like that, we're, those people, us, are still sort of the backbone of the church. And the messaging from this, it's, it's very ironic that this guy who's made a career, Sherinian's made a career of being a messenger and <laughs> conveying messages, that his hiring sends a message that the answer is no, there, there isn't a future for the old school, rural, conservative. And I use rural both literally and figuratively, right? The, kind of just the old school, the small C conservative, the Am and Bundy types, <laughs> right? It's like those people basically are being told, you're not really that necessary anymore. We've moved beyond you. You're the, you're the old, outdated, bigoted, hate speech using mongrels from the past. We're a global church now, and we're led by global faith leaders, and we're good global citizens, and we're all in on the global agendas. That's the message I get. Now, I might be getting the wrong message. Further light knowledge is needed in time, but that's the message I got from this, and that's why I find it so disturbing. Not because he, again, I don't know anything about him, but it's the message, right? It's the optics. It's the, it's the way that if you zoom out, again, you have to zoom out. And you look at the finances and other things going on, sort of scandals. And this, this is not confusing at all. It's perfectly in line with the behavior we've witnessed, especially over the last five years, but more so the last 20. Okay, I'm, I'm done ranting. You're ra- well, I, I just kind of want to make one final comment. We, I guess we're probably close to wrapping up. And that is just that... Um, so many people out there are really good. They're, they have good intentions and they're reasonably honest, you know, and they assume that other people, when they speak to them, are being honest at face value, right? And this is the problem, all right? It is that in politics and as far as power is concerned, the acquisition of power, the expansion of power, um, the public is being massively lied to. And I, I don't know if we talked about this in the podcast, but uh, Dr. Robert Malone, the guy that was instrumental in uh, creating that RNA, mRNA um, technology. vaccine technology who came out early in the COVID uh, crisis and blew the whistle and tried to get people to wake up and everything and was widely deplatformed. He posted on his Substack uh, back in December some 
link a couple of articles. I think I, I'm not sure if this was the the article. I'm going I'm to post one that's titled "Dr. Matthias Desmet Technocratic Totalitarianism." He the, the subtext is the importance of truth speech, the parallel rise of propaganda dependent elites, and the lonely masses and the need for a new type of politician. I think this might be the right one. But anyway, he's, he's just giving a shout out to his friend, Dr. Desmet, who's a Romanian clinical psychologist. All right, this is a very highly credentialed, well-respected guy who gave a, a speech to his uh, Romanian parliament explaining to them that the problem our society is facing, it boils down to sincerity in speech, especially at the highest levels. We can't really fix, in my, uh, anyway, I recommend reading this. It's really an important concept. Uh, I'm switching to my own thoughts here. I'm just saying we can't really fix what's going on at the highest levels, but we can be sincere in our speech, all right? And we need to call a spade a spade. These organizations, including the LDS Church, are not being forthright about what their goals and agendas are. That is the big problem here. And or they w- use language so vague that anybody who looks at it can can say their their mission is my mission. But their, that's their deception. Values are my, I know, but I know. But what I'm saying is, and, and this is the, this is stated repeatedly in the Book of Mormon and in the Doctrine and Covenants, the Lord doth not deal in secret chambers. All right? You need to be honest about what your motives are and why you're saying things. You need to be clear in your speech. That's what Desmet is explaining. That's why our society, one of the reasons why our society is about to tear itself apart is because, for the reasons you've just explained, places that are supposed to be foundations of morality, like a, a worldwide church, are not articulating it in a way that helps us come together. They're articulating uh, platitudes and truisms and uh, misinterpretable value uh, frameworks in such a way that's going to make people tear into each other, that's going to cause the society to tear itself apart. That is the problem. You can't speak out of both sides of your mouth. And the question that I think a lot of us have is, is that intentional? Is it intentionally structured in that way so that society will tear itself apart? This is an ancient Roman strategy. Well, it was it's since the beginning of time, but the Romans made it stick. And it's, uh, it's essentially divide and conquer. End of story. Right. That is how it is done right there. And it's being done to us right now. It, you, one of the major weapons is slippery language. When we need, yeah, and we need sincerity. Of language. I hope, I hope you see. I hope we're being sincere. I mean, I feel like sometimes we have to be careful to not get uh, that iron fist <laughs> coming down upon us. But which in its a, of itself is a that's sad. It's a symptom of the problem. Yeah, it's a symptom of the problem. So I'll just say it. You know, it makes me angry. It makes me. I, I am very disappointed with where. My heritage has gone. You know, what the, the culmination of my heritage is the modern Utah Mormon Republican LDS church. You know, that's what I was raised to be a part of. And I see there 
impotence, deception, uh, just a big bleh. <laughs> and, 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 Articulate. <laughs> and, and, I, and it's not, but it's also, you know, that's the question is, are we the, are we the baddies? Are we the baddies? Remember that meme? Yeah. Are Who's we? we? Who's we? Who are you talking about? I'm, ta- me and, me I'm talking you? about my culture, my heritage, yeah, yeah. my who, who the people that I want to be a part of that I no longer feel are supporting truth and righteousness. Okay? I just said it there. I think that the political and cultural elite in the state of Utah are the, are the baddies. Yes. Do they know it or not? Is Spencer Cox knowingly uh, destroying Western civilization? I don't know. He might be too dumb to know that he's part of this. I think he's a useful idiot. I think there's a lot of useful idiots in all of this and foot soldiers and uh, guys that are being paid really well and are given lots of accolades and power and authority to carry this stuff out. And they might think they're doing it in the name of compassion. I know that's something that Spencer, Spencer Cox thinks he's an incredibly humble and compassionate person. When what he's really doing is just destroying the United States of America, not single-handedly, right? He's a part of it. And our other institutional leaders, yes, because they're playing their part, right? We saw this with COVID. We know who the battle lines were clearly drawn in during COVID. Yeah. There were people who said things like all individual rights may be reasonably suspended during extraordinary circumstances and required people to wear masks and required vaccines and, you know, instituted vaccine mandates. And there are people who fought against those things. There was no gray. You couldn't say, well, I, I don't I support freedom, but not when my uh, grandma might get sick. No, there's no but. You either support freedom, and that means freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of association. You either support freedom and liberty, or you don't. There's no gray area there. There there isn't. You can't say, well, freedom is good for some, but not for all. You know, it's like an animal farm. Some animal, all animals are created equal. Some are just more equal than others. That's the world we live in, right? That's Animal Farm, 1984, mm-hmm. Brave New World. It's like they're all, they've all been put into a mixing bowl and stirred right. up. And the result, and then you add in a little bit of technology, and the result is this yeah. technocracy that we're living under right and, now. And, and I think part of the, what you're saying to extend it is like, there's not like this evil uh, mustache twirling villain that, you know, Right. Is is it at the local level, you know, just uh I, I think there are some, you know, it's like the uh the governor of the of the city on the lake in the Hobbit, right? Mm-hmm. What's right. what's that Dale uh is it the city of Dale or something? Yeah. I can't yeah. remember. Yeah. Anyway, th- th- not everybody's like that, right? They're No, uh, they wear a, they have they look great, they wear a nice suit and well, they, they don't, smile at and you. They don't but they don't they don't feel like they're on the side of evil. And it comes down to this, and this is really going to get me in trouble. Well, no, it's not going to get me in trouble, but <laughs> I can't say that out loud. Uh, it's going to be fine. But Jesus said this to his disciples in John chapter 16. He said, and this is what it boils down to, because the, we have all the elements at, at various stages in society. It, it, it comes to a head and you have all the same typical elements that repeat themselves. We have essentially the Pharisees, the Jews, 
the Sanhedrin, whatever. You can apply that however you want in our society, but this is what, they are true believers in this religion. And Jesus says to the disciples, they shall put you out of the synagogues. What do you think excommunication is? Mm -hmm. They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God service. John chapter 16, verse 2. These things they will do unto you because they have not known the Father nor me. And I'm telling you this, this is Jesus again, but these things I have told you that when the time shall come, you may remember that I told you of them. Right. I think there's going to, the time's going to come where we're going to remember that we've been told a whole heck of a lot and that we've ignored it, right? You really have to be confident in your connection with the Lord because they will tell you they are doing God's service. That's literally the way it works now. It's like, no, you're bad. Right. What you hate gay people, you hate trans people, you hate the, you hate the environment, you don't want carbon right. controls. You hate children. That's why you own a gun, right? No, the 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 language is corrupted, and um, people in the line of work that Aaron Sherinian are in use corrupted language to spread poison. That's what they do. They 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 are poisoning everybody's water. They're poisoning the well. And they do it with charisma and with a smile. And everybody uh, says, oh, this is so great. Look at this guy. And you know what? He's one of us. They even made a movie. He's a Mormon. He's a... Beep. He's a moron. <laughs> no, I'm, no he's, he appears to be very intelligent. Yeah, I'm just kidding. But that, that's the whole point, right? His business is the business of propaganda. Right. That's the point. And the church hired a known and accomplished propagandist, and they did it deliberately, with purpose. With a great deal of background research, time that had passed, knowledge, strategy, intention, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And so now... And so... Now we sit back and we watch, and we uh, get... I hope we can all get in touch with the Holy Ghost, because that's all that matters. The Holy Ghost will teach us the truth of all things and we have to just that's it man get in touch with the holy ghost and then uh figure out what god wants get in touch you to with, do get in touch with good people that you think are in touch with the holy ghost also <laughs> a recommendation on my part but that's just jordan that's just jordan no it's but amen brother i i think this is well, the, these are these are tough times i think people feel it in the air 2024 is uh, ominous. We're two weeks in and it's already crazy. Yeah. And I don't think it's going to let up. To recap, while I don't, you know, we're two weeks in and we've already been told, just in our little world of the Mormons, we've already been told that Nephi was a racist, that the Book of Mormon is problematic and embarrassing, and the church has hired a known UN global conspiracy propagandist to speak for it. But that gay lady that was running Harvard, she resigned. So we were wrong on that count, at least in <laughs> that our was predictions. Her name, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Did that sound bad? <laughs> What's her name? She, listen, though, she resigned. Her name was Claudine. Her name is Claudine <laughs> was. Gay. I don't know if Pres she's, it, her name was President Claudine. I don't know gay. if she's gay or not, but 
She resigned from being president, but retained her salary and her teaching position. <laughs> so she's still like there was no uh, there was no. So they're paying her the same amount they pay the president of Harvard to yeah, teach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't make this stuff up. We're living in a clown world, and sometimes you just have to laugh. But it can be hard to laugh when it starts to get really personal, right? Living in my clown world, didn't understand that anything could happen with that Sharinian man. I never believed that all these rabbit holes were true. I never opened my eyes. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. Well, let me just end here with a... That was High School Musical. That was an homage to High School, high school Musical. They sung about a Sharinian in High School Musical? No, they used that melody, though. <laughs> All right. Well, let me just end us off, finish us off here with an um, inspiring quote. An aspiring quote or an inspiring in, quote? An inspiring this quote. This quote aspires to be inspiring. I can find it here. <clears throat> I'm going to find this at random because I know it'll be I know it'll be inspiring. <clears throat> All right, here we go. If I whistle does that blow out the levels? <laughs> A little bit. <laughs> All right, here we go. Okay, final answers. Giving Tuesday is a chance to encourage giving, to celebrate giving, and recommit to giving. Is this Sharinian? I left today's gathering more enthusiastic than ever about the caliber of people who are leading the organizations doing important work around the world. And I was reminded that even as we gathered for a family-style meal, this is a community that considers itself a family. If we recognize and build on that, we this can Kamala be Harris? assured that we will all be learning and growing many Giving Tuesdays into the future. Is Kamala Harris or Ed Sherinian? Or Ed, is it Ed? Ed Sheran? Aaron Sherinian. November he, 29th, 2023. Giving Tuesday is a chance to encourage giving. <laughs> yeah, thanks, department. <laughs> it's like calling the redundancy department of redundancy. It's like calling them repetitive. <clears throat> and with that, okay. we will leave you in peace. <laughs> Bye, everybody.